0: If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day.
1: We find ourselves by losing ourselves. If you want to like find yourself in your path, I would say, try service, like go be of maximum service. And in the doing, you will find what most excites you.
2: I believe that the opposite of depression
0: Thanks to Purple for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Your Purple mattress really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Get 10% off any order of $200 or more by going to purple.com slash dreamjob10. Promo code dreamjob 10 terms apply. And thanks to Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as 123. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash dreamjob. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Hi guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode
2: of Don't Keep Your Day Job.
0: So this past weekend was my birthday and Father's Day, just a packed weekend. I have to give a shout out to one of my closest friends, Aria Levitt, who also has a podcast called Elevate Love, which is so good. She did something no one's ever done. She legitimately surprised me. I'm really hard to surprise. Uh, first of all, I feel like I'm like a control freak. I have to know. I'm always in everything. And, and, and... I have a really hard time receiving. Like I like to give and give and give and it's hard for me, man. It's hard for me to like let people give to me. I think that's a trust thing. I think you really have to be, you have to trust and I think you also have to feel worthy. It's a whole bunch of things. Well, this is the first birthday. I mean, the first time ever for any occasion that somebody totally surprised me. So, you know, here we are. We're in Florida and we've only been here since the fall. And I know a few people here, Arielle being one of them, I've known her for 20 plus years and her mom, Elisa, who's like a, a second mother to me. But I was like, all right, for my birthday, what are we really going to do? It's not like I have tons and tons of friends down here. I have a few friends and yeah, I guess things are finally changing with COVID and a lot of people, you know, are now able to get together. But I don't know. I just, I was launching, you know, made to do this is starting today. And we were so busy with all the things we were doing. And I don't know, I just didn't plan anything. And I figured, yeah, forget it. And so here we were, my husband said, you know, we'll go out to dinner. And I said, okay. And we really haven't gone out to dinner because of COVID and everything. But I said, all right. And then, um, what happens is we, we start walking outside to go to dinner and Behind the car, as we're going towards the driveway, pops out Ariel and Kelly Roach and her husband, and Susie Moore and her husband, and Kate Northrup and her husband. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what are you guys doing here? Oh my God, I love you. What are you doing here? I'm like, are you coming to dinner with us? And they're like, no, we're here. There's a party. Let's go inside. And we go back inside. I was like, I just came from in there. There was no party. And then one by one, one of my best friends from college, Jesse was here. And then my other best friend comes with her husband. And I'm like, Oh my God, I do know. I look, look, all these people have started moving to Florida. This is like so amazing. And it was just so fun. So we played two truths and a lie. And my daughter gets up my four-year-old and she's like, two truths and a lie. Number one, I've been in a jungle. Number two, I jump on my father's back. Number three, I stab my sister in the leg with a fork. And I'm like, what, what's happening? And she's like, Mommy, I did. I, I stabbed her in the wood leg with a fork. I'm like, that's not funny. This is these everyone's hearing you right now. What what is happening? Anyway, we had a blast. So um it was such a fun night. Such a fun night. It was like the most fun I've had in so long. Just pure awesomeness. So that happened. I hope you guys had a good weekend. I know Father's Day can be A lot of things. The whole range, right? It can be super fun. It can be really hard. It can be about grief. It can be about a lot of pain. There's been many Father's Days in my life that were so complex and hard. So I hope that whatever you did this weekend, I hope there was a moment for you this weekend. Um, and one other thing is that I wrote a birthday note to myself. You know, you can get cards and wishes from so many people, but I wrote a note to myself saying, happy birthday, Kathy. Happy freaking birthday. Like, I thought about myself at like eight years old and I was like, you didn't know what was coming, but you showed up, you had your spirit with you, you got your heart broken, but you kept going and, you know, celebrate yourself, celebrate yourself and take a little time to relax more and pay more attention to your husband and work a little less and, and know that, you know, God and, and grandma Betty are smiling down on you. Happy birthday. And I just, you know what? I just wanted to say that to you because you don't need to wait for your birthday to write yourself a note like that. All right. Well, if it wasn't already just such a fun weekend, heading into my birthday on Friday, right before my birthday weekend, I interviewed Rain Wilson and his very good friend Reza Azalon. And you're going to hear that conversation right now. Rain Wilson. I mean, come on, everybody loves The Office, right? And he's just so fantastic. And he has so much depth and kindness and goodness. And he started a podcast with his friend Reza, who has just the most incredible background? So here's what we're we're talking about today. Rain and Reza are here. They just launched this podcast called Metaphysical Milkshake, which I'm going to talk to you more about in a second. But in case you've been living under a rock and you need a little background on who these brilliant people are, Rain Wilson is an Emmy nominated actor, writer, and producer, founder of Soul Pancake. He's a best selling author and a podcaster too. You probably know him from playing Dwight Schrute on The Office, or at least you've seen the gifs because. They're hard to miss. He was also in Six Feet Under, Almost Famous, Full Frontal, Mom, Juno. Rain is also the best-selling author of The Bassoon King, Art, Idiocy, and Other Sordid Tales from the Band's Room and Soul Pancake. Chew on life's big questions. His company, Soul Pancake, has created a beautiful space for people from all walks of life to discuss and question what it means to be human and wrestle with the spiritual, philosophical, and creative journey that this life has to offer. And then Reza. Reza, oh my God. He has such an unbelievable resume. He's a number one New York Times bestselling author, award-winning writer, commentator, professor, scholar of religions. He's produced shows for CBS and HBO, including The Leftovers. And some of his many acclaimed books include Zealot, No God But God, and now he and Rain have created an awesome podcast Metaphysical Milkshake with Rain and Reza where they go deep, they get weird and they search for the meaning of life along the way. They've brought on guests like Malcolm Gladwell, Adam Grant and so many more people and they're exploring life's biggest questions like what's the nature of consciousness? Do we have enough empathy? What happens after we die? And we're going to get into some of those topics in this conversation. You guys definitely go subscribe to their podcast because it's just so aligned with a lot of the things we talk about. Plus, Rain and Reza are like peanut butter and jelly. They are just such a dynamic duo, so entertaining. Not to mention, they both have incredibly big hearts, and they were so generous to spend the time with us. It was an absolute blessing to talk with them, and I know you're going to love it. So without further ado, please welcome the phenomenal Rain Wilson and Reza Aslan. Oh my God, tomorrow is my birthday, and the two of you are here. (laughs) Welcome, Reza and Rain. Happy birthday. (laughs) anyone who's listening we've done over 400 episodes and you know I've never said this this is the moment that you're right you'd want to switch places with me I can't (laughs) because it's not just that you're famous you're kind you're really kind and good at what you do so I'm so lucky
3: I would say Rain is probably more kind than I am he and more famous and more famous
1: (laughs) And and funnier But I will tell you this, and I hate to admit it, and it kills me to admit it. I'm not smarter.
3: (laughs) Or as handsome. I mean, let's just put that out there.
1: And smarter between the two of us. We're kind of the perfect man.
3: We are. Also, between the two of us, only one of us has a bobblehead, which is...
0: You know, I mean, me. Obviously, I have a bobblehead. We got to
1: get you a yeah, of the Reza do. Aslan bobblehead.
0: <laughs> of course you do, Reza. Who doesn't <laughs> want the Reza bobblehead in their car? Okay, listen to me, you two. There's just so much juicy, yummy on both sides of this conversation, but we're gonna go back. Okay, so let's start with rain. Um, I almost said
1: uh, that's what she said there, but I helped. Uh
0: oh. So. Uh oh. Okay. Can we just go back for one minute? How did you go from like, hey, I'm a kid with a big personality to, you know me and you love me and you watch me on TV? How did that happen? How did that
3: happen? I'm, I am also curious.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the, you know, that is a great question. And I'm not just saying that. And it is perfectly asked. So congratulations on your awesome podcast. And I see why you're such a international success.
0: Dead you know, skull and crossbones. Go ahead. I-
1: I'll tell you, I could spend an hour answering that question, but I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to spend, <laughs> I'm going to give you the I three minute that. version. So I was the, exactly like you said, I was a goofy kid with a unique point of view. I could make people laugh. And I started down this road of acting and I think there were many kind of seminal moments when I look back in time. Now I'm in my mid fifties. I look back into my life and like kind of parse it out and distill these kind of crystalline jewel like moments that, define who I am in my career and my work. There's many of them, but I'm one I'm going to choose, which is I was really good at acting and I got cast in all the leads in the plays in high school and then in two different colleges. So I got headshots. I went down to, I was, this was in Seattle, Washington. I went and got headshots and made a little resume of all my college and high school acting credits. And I was like, I'm going to go audition professionally. And I went out in Seattle in the mid eighties, late eighties, and was like, hoofing around, auditioning at these little, you know, saddle repertory theater and little and smaller theaters. And not only not getting cast, not even getting remotely close to getting (laughs) cast in any way, shape or form in anything, even like community theater musicals. I was really was like, that was the classic big fish, small pond scenario. But here's how this turned around. I believe that for some reason, I had the wherewithal and the humility to kind of go, wow, Rain, you're really not that good. You're not as good as you think you are. (laughs) Like When you kind of look around, I could see my liabilities as an actor. I was a little too tense. I kind of pre-made my acting decisions. I didn't have a kind of a, a fluidity yet. I didn't have a command of the skills. And that's when I was like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I need to get training and I need to get the very 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 best training in the world. So I researched the best acting schools and worked really hard on an audition and then I went off to acting school in New York City. And because of that then I did theater and then eventually did some TV and film and you know it's been a long arduous process. You can read about it in my Autobiography, The Bassoon King, my comedic memoir, if you want to read more. But the, you know, long story short, I think that, you know, because this is a podcast for creatives that are looking for their path. Yeah, I think it's really important to have a kind of a cold eyed assessment of your Mm -hmm. skills and where you're at and then what you need to get to where you're going. And I needed training and it was it was amazing. It was the best three years kind of training process of my life where I gained that fluidity and relaxation and the abilities that I saw that I was missing when I was auditioning in Seattle. Boom.
0: So, so good. And Rez, I'm coming to you in one minute, but before we do, my fans will literally probably murder me if I don't ask this follow-up question because we can't spend as much time on it that they want to spend. You know, you know, all the gifs, you get it. <laughs> you know where it's going. Okay. So, where were you when you got that part? You know that part, you know the one. And then how long was Are it? Are you talking you... about
1: Kirkan the demon from Charmed? Yes. Okay. Of
0: course. How long was it until, like, was it like a week? Was it like four episodes when you went, this is going to be something? Scranton is, it's a thing. When did that kind of hit you between the eyes?
1: To be really honest with you, I could make up a story. But the truth is, the part that I got before Dwight on The Office was a character named Arthur on Six Feet Six Under. Six Feet Under. Love was that. Which on
3: HBO. Alan
0: Ball.
1: And that part, and I did... Thirteen episodes of that show. Um, that that's the part that launched my career. And mm-hmm. I remember I was driving down to Orange County with my wife to go see one of those Cirque du Soleil shows. Only it's the one on horses, <laughs> Falia or something like that, where they're like yeah. jumping around on horses. Mm-hmm. And my manager called, and I was like, "Hey, I'm driving." And He's like, "Pull over." And I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Pull over." And I pulled over on the side of the freeway in Orange County. And he's like, you got this part of Arthur, you know, it's at least, you know, 10 episodes to start. This is one of the hottest shows on HBO. He said, you don't understand your entire life is about to change. And that was the moment when wow. I was just like, holy, like, this is a, yeah. this? Is everything that I've worked for is kind of launched with that role. And that was the role that got me Dwight. And so I kind of, I hate to say it. I'm not being cocky. I kind of knew I was going to get Dwight. <sighs> I had... You know, who I else
0: could with, do that? Well, I
1: just knew it was my part. I had met with the showrunner. I knew they so really good. liked me. I kind of had uh. some inside scoop. But I will say that the show was almost canceled about 13 different times. So w- w- we knew we had something comedically very special, but we really, really, really did not know that we were going to make 100 episodes and go nine years and that it would have all these different lives on um, streaming services like netflix and a whole new generations of kids would discover it so i'm so amazed and grateful at that
0: we're also amazed and grateful i feel like it saved other people's lives like literally like i feel like people were loved into life multiple times oh. from the cast and the the goodness that's so palpable on the faces and the the humans on the in the cast and then just like the God darn way you all showed up.
1: Oh, that's very nice. I I will say that it has been been very gratifying over the years to hear the stories from people of how the office really helped them, you know, in dark times, in sad times, in difficult times, in family members with with cancer, in divorces, in the anxiety of this pandemic. And I had no idea going in, like I thought we were going to make people laugh And I was gonna get a great job and I'd be able to buy a house. And we did all that, but also it really did help people. And I never really thought like being on a sitcom would be a service.
0: Yeah, it is. And this is a good segue into like bringing Reza into the conversation because I do think I could be so bold as to say one of the amazing things that I don't know if it was Greg Daniels or whose brain and hearts were behind it, but every person who I've either met or heard about who is part of that core is legitimately such a good person. And I don't know that that's the case all the time everywhere. And so like for people to love you the way that they do, and then to find out when they sort of start to see what you're about, like, oh my God, he's like wanting to make the world better. Like he's doing all this stuff he does not have to do. Like at this point, you could just go like drink a martini, just sit around, sit around for a while. Sure.
3: Yeah, but i don't know I think b j Novak's kind of a dick
0: um, I hope uh, that you would bring that up because dick, uh, i think it's yeah, I think it's time today that we we <laughs> just get into it, so Reza, you're a piece of how rain is currently like hoping to shed light on like
2: mm-hmm.
0: what what really might help us all go into a a fifth dimension and and get beyond all the yucky stuff and actually meet somewhere better, but you have the most Honestly, I don't. It's not really fair to me that you're both on at the same time because I need six hours. But your background is literally like it's a mic drop and then yeah. another mic drop. It's insane. Can you just tell everyone a tiny little bit about what the heck you've been up to and why? Like, really, why?
3: Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I think of myself as kind of like the moon to rain sun. So you know. <laughs> You see me only because he is shining on me. Otherwise. <laughs> he's
1: reflecting my light.
3: That's all I'm, I'm here to it's just all an reflect. illusion. Uh, by the way, I was just joking. BJ's a great guy. I, I'm like going to tell him you dick. said that. I keep holding on to it. I make, make fun of it. He's kind BJ. of
1: a dick, folks.
3: He's I've kind m- of a dick. I've known him for 15 years. He's a little <laughs> bit of a dick.
1: But he's it's part my- of his charm and he is brilliant and he has a very good heart.
3: He does. I only say that because he dated my wife before we got married. Not after we got married.
0: Shut Um, up, the plot. I know, the plot
3: plot thing. So every time I see BJ, I like to give him a hard time. Um, So, okay, what's my story? I was born in Iran, and my family fled uh, the revolution in 1979. We came to the United States in the midst of, like, probably the the strongest wave of anti-Iranian sentiment, you know, at the time, this was like right in the heart of the Iran hostage crisis where 52 Americans were being held hostage for 444 days. So, you know, from a very early age, I knew kind of from a very um, deep and emotional way, the ways in which politics and religion and identity can kind of really affect individuals and communities and I wouldn't come from a very religious family but I was just always very interested in in religion but I just wanted to be a writer like I've actually tried to think about this I, there was never a time in my life ever when I wanted to be anything except a writer like I didn't have a period when I was like I want to be a fireman <laughs> but later on I'll be a writer like there was never any other thing I Ever thought? Well, about a wait a second. Wait a
1: second, because you sw- swiftly segued from writer into television personality and podcaster.
3: Well, oh, we're gonna get to that.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts, America.
3: Because, well, but here's the thing: is that, um you know, look, when we were immigrants, we came here with nothing, right? We like we escaped Iran with a suitcase each. Uh, I spent like the first six months in America the four of us in our family living in a one-room motel. You, When you're an immigrant, you can't tell your mother that you're going to be a writer. Right. You know I mean? It's like telling your mother you're going to be an actor. You are a doctor. You are a lawyer. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly what my mother sounds like, as a matter of fact. My parents were like, oh, I see. So we gave up everything right. so that you could be a writer? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I'll never forget. My mom actually said to me when I told her I wanted to be a writer, she said, who is stopping you from writing? Write what you want. You be a doctor. You be a lawyer. You be an engineer, and then write. And I was like, No, no, no I actually want to write for a living. It's like that's not a thing. That's not a thing. I'm like, what do you mean? People don't do that for a living. So I, um, you know, decided that I would I would go into academia because I loved school and I loved you know religion and mythologies and. History and all that stuff really kind of fed my imagination. But the whole plan was I would just do this stuff so that I could write. And, and my mom was okay with it. She was like, okay, I tell people you're a professor. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, I can still say doctor. She still says doctor, Reza, and then hopes that nobody asks me to fix anything.
1: Doctor of oh, sociology is...
3: Um... It's important to no one. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) the most useless doctor there is really um so i'm really glad that that rain said this so just like he was acting and he was getting accolades and i was writing and i was getting accolades and then it was time to like take this seriously and you realize very quickly oh i'm i'm out of my league completely so i too i went to writing school and I learned what writing was. And I walked out of that experience having written a novel. And the novel got me an agent. And this I should mention, this story will make more sense if I tell you that it was 2002. So it was 2002, I'd written a novel, the novel got me an agent, the agent was like, do you have any other book ideas in your mind at all? Uh, you know, as we go and shop this novel, and I was like, yeah. I mean, you know, I have this idea uh, I'd like to write. Um, I'd like to, you know, kind of maybe figure out a way to merge my two expertise, writing and religion. I'd love to write like a popular book about Islam. So, again, this is 2002. Um, people may not have remembered what happened in 2001. Um, I remember. But- I, remember.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember.
3: What's he going with this? What's he mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she was like, wait, what? A book about Islam, like an actual readable book about, let's do that, let's do that. And then that was No God But God. And um, I remember very clearly that when that book came out and it was a big success, and then I went to Random House and I said, okay, so um, now it's remember that novel, like, let's do the novel now. And they said, yeah, no, no we're not going to do the novel. Can we do one more just like this though? And essentially kind of, it was this weird thing because I'd always thought that I would have two separate careers. I always thought I would have a, one career as a writer and then a whole separate career, you know, as a, as a scholar of religions. And through just kind of, you know, fate, those two careers married themselves in a, in a way that's been very, very satisfying. But to, to Rain's point, the thing that i really understood about being a writer is that what compels me as a writer is is storytelling and stories can be told in many many different ways right so yeah i do a lot of different things but it's all storytelling yeah. all of it is storytelling religion is yeah. just storytelling politics is just storytelling yeah you know so whether i'm doing tv or podcasts or you know whatever unscripted show or writing a book It's just different forms of storytelling. That's what I fundamentally am. I just use different platforms for those stories.
0: Uh, I feel like my follow-up question, it's impossible because we need you so badly right now, more than ever. Um, And so it feels so cruel that I get to ask one follow-up question, but but I want to, because I really want to get to the podcast. Um, But my follow-up question is clearly... The work that you've done has been to help people in a way be less scared of what they don't know Mm -hmm. and actually have more of an enlightened perspective, which can just bring us all closer together. How would you sum up what sort of the take-home message is in that work? Like what Mm -hmm. ultimately is it no, that really you feel yeah. might might shed some light.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> um, here's the thing that people need to understand about stories is that they are literally how we understand the world. Yeah. They're how we define ourselves, mm-hmm. they're how we recognize our place in the world, they're how yeah. we make sense of this kind of weird experience of life. <laughs> Who we are as human beings, our identity, is just a story that we've constructed about ourselves. Our memories are just stories that we have created in our brains. We do an entire episode on how memory works you know, within the brain and how it's so much a part of your identity on Metaphysical Milkshake, one of my favorite ones. From the earliest experience of humanity, right when we were stooped and hairy, the way that we understood who we were, I'm still stooped. In I'm hay, still
1: stooped way. and hairy, yeah. Yeah. by the way.
3: Yeah, the <laughs> it's two of us it's, it's, <laughs> it's a true story. It's a true story. We use stories to understand our experience and our relationship, you know, with the mysterious world that was around us. Our first priests, our first shaman were just storytellers. They weren't religious figures. They were the people who had memorized the stories of our tribe. People tend to kind of poo-poo stories as like things that we do to entertain us, where the reality is all of experience. The the sum and total of the human experience is just storytelling. So using stories to change the way that people think about themselves, their place in the world, to change the way that they think about others people that they normally would not have any connection to is not just some like cool little, you know, flu flu thing that some people do. It's like, Oh, how sweet. He uses stories to, to change people's minds. It's literally the only way yeah. that we change people's minds. It's the only way we understand who we are, who everyone else is. Yeah, um, And so to, wield stories as a tool as a weapon i think it's a burden and it's a huge responsibility yes. so that that has always been my my
0: mission in life it's so good i haven't really touched many of these kinds of stories with a 40,000 foot pole but there's been a couple moments in the last 3 years where i just literally couldn't not cry and like just say here's one thing And so it's just awesome that there are people out there who, who have the courage. It takes a lot of courage and who also have the actual, both life experience and the insight, which you have from going to Harvard to like know a few things about a few things. And we need to, I think we need to stop deciding that, what we learned on the back of a cereal box, like that's how much information and that's how much of a story we know. And then we're like, that's it. I'm taking that with me to the bank, as opposed to like, maybe I can like read more stories about these things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So anyway, part of what I love so much is that the two of you came together and started a podcast, as you said before, called Metaphysical Milkshake with Rain and Reza. How convenient that both of your names start with an R. <laughs> so What in the heck inspired this idea? And tell people, tell people what they can expect from this
2: podcast.
1: Sure, I'll I'll dive in. I had read Reza's book Zealot about uh, Jesus, kind of a a a revolutionary take on the revolutionary Jesus, (laughs) and it was um, I was really moved by it and thought it was pretty awesome. And we had met through mutual friends, and then we met at a couple events here and there and then we're like, Oh, let's have breakfast sometime. And we sat down to breakfast. This was a while ago now, four or five years ago. And, and we were just talking about life and religion and Hollywood and storytelling and mythology and Carl Jung. And, and then all of a sudden we're like, you know, this should be a podcast is just us having this discussion and we should get paid hundreds of dollars to have conversations like this. So at the time, I had a, created a digital media company called Soul Pancake, um, which is a YouTube channel and had done some TV shows and books and, and other things. And so we approached Soul Pancake and they wanted to produce. And so we wanted to continue this discussion. But, you know, why metaphysical milkshake? Well, you know, we, we all have our reasons. First of all, the whole reason I founded Soul Pancake was to discuss life's biggest questions. The whole reason I'm interested in life's biggest questions is because I just love them. I just personally, I get turned on by, you know, the idea of free will and where does love come from? And is there a God and what happens when we die? And what is consciousness and all of these incredibly big, profound mysteries? But I, you know, I like to tackle these with fun and humor and, uh, irreverence. And that was <laughs> the ca- cornerstone of soul pancake. And for the podcast too, I think, you know, we live in really divided times and more and more and more our population becomes segmented and This is something that unites us. This is something that is universally human. Are these very questions? What happens when we die? What is my consciousness? Are there aliens? Even questions like that. Like It doesn't matter your political affiliation. It doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter anything. These questions can actually unite us and heal us. And humanity should and could and should spend more time digging into, as Reza calls the storytelling, the mythology, psychology, spirituality, sociology, the the big movements of what it means to be a human being. So we're going for something big. You know, hopefully we get a few thousand listeners and people enjoy it and we can sell some MeUndies or whatever the hell we end
0: up selling on our show. I'm sure all of my listeners are going to go listen to this because this is what it's all about. And like you said, it's definitely easy to look at us and go, Oh, we're so divided. But what's beautiful about what you guys are doing is these are questions that unite all of us. And it doesn't really matter. Again, like the, the narrative of like, I'm this party and I'm like, what in the world, when you hit your head on the pillow at night, you're probably all thinking about this stuff. Right. And I've never met a single human being that doesn't want a more expansive experience or a more transcendent experience or doesn't wish that there's something more mystical going on. Like I just never met someone who's like, no, no, I don't, I don't care or wish for any of that. And here you guys are delivering it. This conversation is so good, but let's just take a quick break to thank our sponsors. As a business owner with a whole team, I know how challenging it can be to hire the right fit, but luckily, there's Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. They have tools like Indeed Instant Match to help you immediately get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. They also have the Indeed Skills Test, so you can choose from more than 30 skills tests and add your must-have requirements. On average, the Indeed Skills Test reduces hiring time by 20 And this way you only have to pay for applications that meet them. You can even schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. It's no wonder why Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash dreamjob. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash dreamjob. Indeed.com slash dream job. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. The world can be an uncomfortable place and we're all looking for as much comfort as we can get. Sometimes I get uncomfortable and nervous right before talking to a guest that I really admire and respect like Rain and Reza. But the one thing I can always count on is how comfortable my purple mattress is. That's because purple is comfort reinvented. Only purple has the grid, a stretchy gel material that's amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips. I love how the grid has a bounce to it, so unlike memory foam, it doesn't crater or divot. Plus, I don't have to worry about overheating at night because air actually circulates and flows through the design of the mattress. This is such a relief because it's getting pretty hot in Florida lately, and I know summer has only just started. Another bonus about Purple is that you can try your Purple mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. Financing is available as well. Purple really is comfortable for an uncomfortable world. Right now, you're going to get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash dreamjob10 and use promo code dreamjob10. That's purple.com slash dreamjob10. Promo code dreamjob10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash dreamjob10. Promo code dreamjob10. Terms apply. I thought it might be fun you know, to give people a little bit of a taste, just like, you know, we have authors on like yourselves and we ask them a little bit about what's in the book and we get to hear a little bit about it. So like a few of those things that you just mentioned, I have written down, what's the nature of consciousness? Do we have have enough empathy? What happens after we die? So I thought I'd like throw one out to you just to hear a little bit of what you guys have come to in some of these conversations. Um, What do you think in this conversation about what happens after we die? What did you discuss
3: Well, as you can imagine, when you're talking about sort of the great existential questions of life, death tends to come up a lot. Yeah, (laughs) Um, We've got a couple of episodes coming up on the topic of death. One, uh, it's an amazing episode called How Do You Want to Die with the Death Doula, which is more about sort of the actual confronting of death, you know, And, and what does it mean? How do you prepare for death? so this is um, a
1: death doula as like a baby doula but yeah. instead of a baby to doula <laughs> right. you
0: into... birth you into the next realm exactly yeah, that is. exactly yeah. it is a birth right you're going somewhere into and,
3: and as rain kind of mentioned you know these episodes are not theoretical for us these questions aren't theoretical they're very real so like you know rain and i had to really confront that question how do i want to die in a I don't mean sort of philosophically. How do I want to die? I mean, really, like, how do I want yeah. to die? What do I want my yeah. deathbed to actually look like? Who do I want around? Do I want, you know, this music on, or whatever the case may be? And then we did do a really interesting two-part podcast. It, it was just so good that we were going to end up splitting it into two. We're just
2: so good at this,
3: yeah. <laughs> with uh, someone that your your listeners may be familiar with, Rob Bell. Rob Bell is a young, cool Christian pastor. And that one, it was super fun because we literally broke it down, like the instant after death, what then happens? You know, What happens in that millisecond? What happens in the next millisecond? What happens in the next millisecond? And then we've also kind of approached this issue from a a little bit more of a scientific way. But what I think is truly fascinating about all of those sort of ways in which we've discussed them is that they're not at odds with each other. And that's one of the the great things about metaphysical milkshake is that rain and i are both deeply spiritual but we're also deeply scientific right we we're emotional and rational and we just and by the way
1: and sorry reza to jump in by the way we don't see a dichotomy there that's
3: what i was gonna say yeah yeah
1: yeah you can you can have a spiritual outlook on on humanity's spiritual reality as being you know an unrepeatable miracle of the universe of God walking around in a meat suit for 80 some years um, (laughs) and believe in the power and miraculousness and wonder and exactitude of science.
3: Yes. And of course, some of our meat suits are meatier than others. Mine's mine's fleshier. Uh, Mine's fairly meaty. I have to be honest. You're Um, getting a little girth there that you did. I am. It's my, it's my, my meat suit has expanded during the pandemic. Let's just put it that way. Okay.
1: In the future, maybe you can get a new meat suit like they did in Logan's Run.
3: I would definitely take a new meat suit. Are you kidding me? Are you suggesting we switch meat suits? What if we faced off?
1: Ooh, face (laughs) off! Whoa. Anyway, I I, I spoiled your run, Reza. Anyway, to something good there. What
3: I was trying to say was that yes, we totally reject the sort of the separation, you know, the bifurcation of these two things, the spiritual and the material. Like to us, they are the same. The human experience is the, is the melding of those two things. So in that way, you know, one of the things that I have talked about a lot in all the conversations that we've had about death, because this is all a real learning experience for us as, as hosts as well, is that, you know, when it comes to death, It's weird how closely aligned science and spirituality are. Spirituality is all about how this isn't the real you, that it goes on forever, right? That whatever you are, it continues to be, whether you're in heaven or whether you are reincarnated or whatever the case may be. And, you know, the more we sort of really understand the way that science describes the nature of reality and the sort of foundation of of the preservation of uh, matter and energy, right? That matter and energy are eternal, that everything that exists today has always existed and will always continue to exist as long as the universe exists. That means that the things that make me, the things that make me me, whatever they are, um, are eternal things. The more you just realize that, huh, these ideas can really fit together, right? This notion of what you are is eternal, and this is just one manifestation mm-hmm. of that eternity, sounds like a deeply spiritual idea, but it's also a deeply scientific idea. And so that gives you a sense of how we approach these kind of big, big questions, right? We I don't, love it. We don't silo them. Yeah, kind of try to see them all together as part and parcel of the, the totality of the human experience.
0: Well, I love it. And it also, it's just so... Awesome for anyone who doesn't know sort of the world behind Soul Pancake, but there's so much of that footprint there where rain, you know, what I know about it. Brad Montague is a friend of mine. He's been on this show too. Mm-hmm. But like what I know about anything that has to do with Soul Pancake is also about like, how can we show up and be the best humans and explore these bigger conversations? And, and to bring it down to like sort of the daily pain point of my listeners, the thing that people come up with every day that keeps them from feeling, I think more fulfillment and joy is who am I to do this? I'm not enough. This feeling of imposter syndrome. And one of the, the places where I've helped to maybe help them go with that is like, well, what does that even mean? Who am I to do? this? like, who is the, who you're talking about? Are you talking about the you that's five, eight and has this waist size and this shoe size. And then like, who are you to do this? Or is it like, oh, actually, like I get to be part of something bigger, right? That kind of like open hearted, If I just kind of get out of the way. I've heard so many creative people, Tom Petty, and so many people say like, yeah, so like, I didn't have to take on like, who am I to do this? But rather like, you know, we can measure the vibration of what happens when a person drops into compassion in a practice in the morning or an open heart and the energy literally starts to expand. And like you said, the science of it and the and the other aspects of it go together because like even an atom is mostly wave and just a little bit particle, right? Where, where there's mostly energy going on. So
1: oh, yeah. to not Everything we were taught about what the universe is and how it works when we were kids is, is total bullshit. Like the amount of actual stuff in the universe, like actual thingness in the entire known universe there's can fun. like fit in a suitcase. <laughs> like it's not... That is um, just
0: blow your mind that the physical, the actual 3d physical aspect, like in comparison to everything else. So I, I, that's what I want to ask you about is how would you, as two good humans who also happen to be successful when people are saying like that question, who am I, I have imposter syndrome. Who am I to do this, to write a blog, to da, 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 da. How can you help them to step into the flow of what they could possibly access, right? To come through us when that really feels like it's in the way, the ego feels like it gets right in the way of our work. Well,
1: I I have a lot to say on this topic. I mean, and that, that is a, a excellent question. It's an issue uh, that is really uh, roiling the contemporary world. And there's a lot of different ways to approach it, but just to throw out a couple things, I'm going to throw some spaghetti against the psychological wall of self esteem and say, You know, when they started the field of positive psychology in the 1990s and Dr. Martin Seligman, they did studies about happiness and they long, 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 long story. Super short. He took his first class. They took a happiness study. They got a a set point of how happy the people were. Said, this weekend, go out, do anything that you think is going to make you happy. So they went and they partied and they hooked up and they shopped and blah, blah, blah. They came back. They took the happiness test again. They were less happy. The next weekend, he said, go do something for others. Uh, Just Uh spend the weekend like thinking about others. Call your sick aunt, hold the door open at a Starbucks, whatever it is. And they took the happiness Mm -hmm. quiz again and they were happier. So here we live in a society that tells us that the ego will bring us happiness, that the self will bring us happiness, that if we do things for ourselves to promote ourselves and to take care of ourselves and to focus on ourselves and to build up ourselves, that this will make us happier. When in a matter of fact, like true joy comes from Losing the self. And this is a spiritual tradition that's been along around as long as the Bhagavad Gita and, and the Vedas and Upanishads and the Dhammapada of the Buddha. Like this is, this is like in our DNA that we find ourselves by losing ourselves. So if you want to like find yourself in your path, I would say try service, like go be of maximum service. And in the doing, you will find what most excites you. And there's that great quote. And as I quoted it before, the Reverend Howard Thurman says, and Oprah quotes it all the time, like, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. So again, this is putting a focus on, on service, getting your own damn self out of the way, being there for others of finding what makes you come alive and doing those things. And then at that point, any imposter syndrome, there's no room for it. You know what I mean? Like we all have it, but it's not going to live in the sense. Cent- but if it's kind of like you need to get more followers on your Instagram, you know, and you need to, you know, get into shape and you need to kind of network and you need to do X, Y, and Z, and you need to write 500 words a day. And you yeah. know, it's all this you, 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 you stuff that at the end of the day, is going to make you miserable.
0: Hearing you say that, that is mm-hmm. what could be a better birthday present? You of all people saying what you just said. There is nothing else, as we say on Passover, Dianu, that's enough. That was done. What else can be said? But I do have another question. Go ahead. A puppy, a puppy would be good. Oh, uh, but they yeah, they need to be walked. <laughs> it's just so good what you're saying. And and as you as you finished up with saying, like people say to me things like, but I'm not qualified. I have perfectionism, right? Perfectionism gets in the way of like, I don't want to make something mediocre. I don't want to get rejected. I don't want to put something out that's bad. And what you're saying is like, who's not qualified to give? Who's not qualified to serve? Who's not qualified to have an open heart? And what if, what if that is the cost of admission to sitting at the cool lunch table? What if, what do you think about this, Reza? That This thing about who am I to serve? Who am I to do anything? Cause gosh, we would love a whole world of people that came alive. And that's why I do this show. And this is the thing that prevents people. I'm gonna get rejected. It's not perfect. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. My Instagram only has 16 followers. And so therefore I'm not gonna share my gifts with the world because who am I to do so? I mean, look,
3: I'll just say what I always tell my many, many, many children, which is that (laughs) it makes no difference to have values or principles or ideals or beliefs like those things don't mean anything if they are not put into practice right my favorite uh, bible verse is in the book of james and it says faith without works is dead and it's such an important idea, right? Because all of us, you know, we like to talk about the things that we believe this, this is what I believe. These are the things that I hold dear, et cetera, et cetera. But beliefs aren't meant to be sort of monastic, right? Values aren't meant to be, you know, just meditative. Like if you're not willing to actually express this, in the world, and I don't mean go and change the planet, but I just mean in your day-to-day actions with the world, if your values are not being expressed in action, then they're not really values, right? They're not really ideals or morals, really. They're just kind of, well, I don't know what they are, but they, they don't mean anything. And so I think that's the important thing to understand about belief systems, value systems, that if you're not willing to actually put them into the world as actions, then they don't really mean much.
1: Yeah. I, I also think going with that Reza and that really sparked in me, I think you're absolutely right. Like, so maybe it's kind of like you start mm-hmm. small, you know, you just start really small, but with an action and what's small and doable, like what's a small action I can accomplish today. That gives you a little bit of a hit of self-esteem and then you can do the same thing tomorrow. And then in a couple of weeks you do a little bit more. And then you just add on, but you're in that cycle of action, you know, here's what I believe. I need to put that into action. You have a reflection. How did that work out? But I think that, you know, the problem with like all this, like Tony Robbins kind of stuff. And by the way, there's a lot of good things that he says, but is like, (laughs) you can do it. You need to get up at 5 30 AM and you need to keep a journal of everything you do and write down everything you eat and get in your cold bath at 6 AM. And it's gotta be 33 degrees. And and it's like all this stuff. And it's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. you know, I can barely like jog Why is he yelling? Mile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: He's always shouting at me. Okay. I got it. <laughs>
1: but, but it's an impossible thing. So that leads to, and then you fail at it and you don't get up at 530 in the morning. You don't go in your cold bath. Right. You're kind of like, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'll never amount to anything. It's like, no, you should start like really super small.
0: Yeah. This is my last question, then we'll let you guys go. So the two biggest stumbling blocks that I've seen talking to all of these humans is I'm not enough, which we kind of just addressed. Who am I to do this? And the second one is people reach for the highest branch they can see. And so a lot of times it's oh, it's not possible. That's impossible. And so people get to a really dark place really quickly. And both of you you're showing up with a lot of vulnerability, a lot of optimism, a lot of grace. And so it seems to me there might be something that you do believe is possible. Can you paint a picture of why you think it might be worth it to try to do a little bit more good? Because is there something pretty cool that's possible? Because people have started to feel like there might just not be.
1: Well, if I may, Reza, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on a short you may. answer and pass it over. Um <laughs> So I'm a member of the Baha'i faith. And in the Baha'i faith, like so many other religious traditions, I believe that at my root, my principal reality is that of a spiritual being. I am a spiritual being having a human experience, as Père Tehard de Chardin says. And I think that this can help people, and I'm not talking about converting to any specific religion, it can just be general spirituality, but the more we experience ourselves as a spiritual being, having a human experience, the more doors are open. Now, most days, I wake up in the morning, Kathy, and I feel like a failure. There's a lot of days I just feel like a loser and a failure and like... I know what's going on.
0: That is a little hard to believe, but okay. You are,
1: you're here in this world still. So, okay. But it's it's a little hard to believe, but it's true. It's something I struggle with. You know, I'm in, I'm in therapy. I'm, I'm in recovery. You too. Yeah. Oh yeah. So (laughs) there's, um, but I think knowing that I am a spiritual being, then it shifts my perspective just a little bit. And that's why I think there are spiritual tools that people can use. We have psychological tools and and other tools to help people along their path, but spiritual tools, which have been there since the dawn of time, since the earliest recorded history was yeah. were kind of spiritual stories. Then I know that I'm so much more than my body. And then I'm more open to infinite possibility and grace. But spirituality doesn't mean like sitting peacefully in a yoga class. I think going back to what Reza said before, like true Being a spiritual being is putting that into practice. It's actually feeding the poor. It's actually educating people. It's actually being of service to others. And that this can be, you know, an inspiration on our journey.
0: Yeah. Finding spirituality on the 405. Like that's where it has to happen. (laughs) That's
1: when it gets, that's hardest, isn't it? It's easy to have it in an ashram, right? It's hard to have it on the 405.
0: Yeah. It's not awesome especially where it meets the 10, it gets real bad. So Reza, for you, what do you think about this question of how to begin to have a little bit of optimism and believe in the possibility when it doesn't really feel so easy to do that?
3: Yeah. I don't know if I can say anything better than what Rain just said, but I will just kind of ask.
0: That's the show.
1: (laughs) That's it. it. STFU, as the kids say. (laughs)
3: um but i will bring it back to the podcast uh, metaphysical milkshake one of my absolute favorite guests that we have coming up is michael shore michael shore some of your listeners may know is the creator of the good place one of my and parks and
1: rec and he was a writer in all- the office yeah yeah
3: yeah but i think he definitely peaked with the good place i mean the office was okay yeah good place genius <laughs> How and- dare you? How dare you? <laughs> anyway, we had Michael on because we were Rain and I, you know, one of the one of the questions that we probably struggle with the most ourselves as individuals is the question of how to be good. Like what you know, what does that mean? We talked about this, it's very important. You put your values into play, et cetera, et cetera. But like what does it mean to be good? Like how can I actually be good? And it can be an overwhelming Question, especially the way that you framed it, Kathy, where you're like, you look at the world around you and you're like, I can't have any effect on this. I can't have any effect on, you know, the burning planet or on the race riots or on the sort of slow disillusion of democracy. Like, those are things (laughs) that I, they're just way too big. Nothing that I can do about those things. Right. You know? And Michael said something that I think to this day I take with me. And he was like, the way that you can be good is to just try like that's Uh literally it Mm. like i know it sounds so obvious but just wake up try to do something good you may not make it but the trying didn't yoda say that (laughs) yes no yoda was like there is no try you either be good or don't be good and you're like yoda that's way too much pressure yoda right so, and sure is like the anti Yoda sure is like, no, no, no. The trying is enough. Yeah. The trying is being good. And so that's what I would say is that like, okay, you may not be able to solve these sort of gigantic problems that are plaguing humanity, but just try to be good, try to be good in your everyday interactions Dude, and those an interactions. They'll, they'll pay off, you know, they'll, they'll bounce around and, and they'll create more good and more good and more good.
0: Well, the two of you did a lot of good today and you always do. And it's just like the sweetest, most break your heart open thing to be around you guys, whatever it is that you do, because it's good and being good is not common.
1: Well, thanks for what you do too. This is, a this, it's amazing. It. and And it's yeah. one of the reasons I love the podcast universe is that there's so many, incredible stories out there as reza was talking about and and ways to be of service and like kind of anything you want to know is just there you can just listen to a podcast series about it and if people are wanting to find a creative path in their life then they've found you and you've helped thousands and thousands of people and happy birthday
0: kathy it's just like you to try to make my day and then you go and do that it's that there you go you're so kind uh I'm going to say like, I love you, but we all love you. Like, can you just take a second and feel that? I don't know how often you do that. Can you feel how many people in this world right now have literally like imprinted on their heart love for you? That's a fact. That's literally you, people think of you and like, they feel love. Both of you have added in, in such Separate but powerful ways, so much good to this little planet right here, and I just want to say thanks for doing that. And tell us where we can find mystical milkshake, please. Metaphysical,
1: but I like. Why mystical did, why did I just say mystical? Mystical milkshake is good. I kinda like it. Metaphysical milkshake is available. Where it all is. fine podcasts are available. Check out <laughs> Apple. Please like, follow, rate, review, subscribe. Wow, Spotify. you got that memorized. And download. Tell your friends. And uh, there's a series of scintillating conversations coming down to the pike, down the pike with some of the world's greatest authors and thinkers, but all highly relevant to all of us, including people like you, Kathy.
0: I love you. Metaphysical milkshake. We'll put the links, and you guys are literally delightful. And I'm not gonna ever forget this I'd afternoon. Like to drink your metaphysical milkshake, <laughs> right? This is actually a a milkshake. No joke. It's a coffee milkshake. I'm a happy person. You guys are the best. Stay doing you. And you should, I just want to, for some reason, it's my birthday. They say in Jewish mysticism, you have blessing power on your birthday. May you be blessed to have all of the highest, sweetest opportunities to shine your light in this world. And may you know just how much it's doing. There you go.
1: Oh, That's beautiful. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. This was really fun. What a pleasure. Thank you for having me. God
0: us. bless you both. You're Good the best. Bless you. Oh my gosh. How fun was that? I'm not exaggerating when I say that I could have talked to both of them for hours and hours. What an honor. By the way, if you ever want to watch this interview, any of the interviews on video, you can see them on the Kathy Heller YouTube channel. We have that link in the show notes as always. Okay. Here are the takeaways. Number one. Assess your skills, know where you're at and what you need to get to where you're going. Number two, stories are how we understand the world, how we define ourselves, recognize our place in the world, and make sense of this weird experience of life. Who we are as human beings is just the story we constructed about ourselves. Number three, life's biggest questions can unite us and heal us all. Number four, you find happiness and your path by being of service. We find ourselves by losing ourselves. Number five, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and do that because what the world needs is people who come alive. Number six, express your values in your day-to-day actions in the world. It makes no difference to have values or principles if they're not put into practice. Number seven, start super small. Do a little action every day. Number eight, the way you can be good is just to try. The trying is enough. Trying to do good is being good. All right. Now we're going to celebrate today's giveaway winner. We're giving away some really cute swag every Monday and Thursday. So if you want to be entered into the giveaway and win a hoodie or a mug, then all you have to do is leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts or post about the show on your Instagram. You can put it in your stories and tag me at kathy.heller. So today's winner is Victoria Crook. She said, I love Kathy Heller and her message. She perfects delivery through this genius podcast. Love doing what you love. We all need to be living a life worth living and loving. Thanks, Kathy, for reminding us weekly and showing us the way. Update, June 15th. Kathy is one of the best people I have never met in real life but had the privilege of getting to know as a cohort member of the January 2021 Made to Do This program and by listening to her on her podcast. She is truly herself a beacon and we are so lucky to walk with her as she holds our hand through our journey towards business, life, purpose, and growth. I am forever a fan of all the work she does and the content she generously puts out on the Don't Keep Your Day Job podcast. Must listen, must subscribe, and you will love and transform. Ah, Victoria, that is just so, 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 so generous. Thank you so much for your words. I'm so, so grateful that I get to work with people like you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. I know that you have so much you can be doing. It's just a giant gift that you're here at all. If you want more amazing episodes like this one, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you want to be entered into the giveaway, then leave us a rating and a review. Also, I want to know if this episode inspired you. And I want to know if you can think of somebody who would appreciate it. If the answer is yes, then share the episode with them right now. You can email them or text them the link, or you can post about what you loved about this on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller so I can repost as many as I can. And tag Rain. He's at Rain Wilson. Rain is spelled with two N's at the end. And Reza is at R-E-Z-A, Aslan, A-S-L-A-N. Their podcast even has an Instagram of its own. It's at metaphysicalmilkshake. So tag them, let them know that you enjoyed this because I have a feeling that they'll probably see every one of you who comments and maybe they'll even write you back. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine. And since we do daily episodes, I'll be back on the podcast tomorrow. Talk to you then. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.